Hello, welcome Heartfelt Leaders to Practicing Life podcast with me, your host, Ashley Pitzer. I am a fantasy author, life coach, and hypnotist, and I am against perfectionism, which is why this talk show is called Practicing. This is a place where we normalize mistakes, failures, and difficult decisions and transform them into blessings. This podcast is about sharing life lessons and the stories around overcoming them and what was learned from them. There is no one way to live life, but you can all learn from others and decide what works best for you. I am here to support, lift up, and help heartfelt leaders like you be seen. If you are ready to hear people's stories and really see them, then stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Practicing Life Podcast. I am Ashley Pitzer, and I have a very special guest, one of the best guests in the world, one of my favorite people, my sister, Michaela. And the reason I brought her on to my podcast is because she uh, was one of the people that got to read my, my sacred hidden, I've treasured this book and not allowed anybody to read. And she was one of the select few that actually got to read my book. Now, pre-warning, because I knew I wanted her to be on this podcast and to talk about her experience with the book and interview me, I made sure that she only read half of the book so we didn't give away too many details, okay? So you'll be in suspense. And she's going to be interviewing me over the book, The Birth Challenge. So my sister, Michaela, one of my favorite people, she is in the elementary education. And for years, she's been a kindergarten teacher and has absolutely loved it. And now she serves the speech pathologist program. So she helps kids of all ages with their ability to speak. And I mean, outside of the fact that she is just brilliant and bubbly and has the (laughs) greatest energy, you know, she's, she's kind of helped me and been such a huge support in my life. I find so much, she's the person who introduced me to yoga, even though I fought it for years, um, you know, and look at me now, yoga teacher and my, my biggest fans and I just really adore her and I, I really want, you know, when this book comes to uh, the world and explodes, I really want her to be my fan club manager. That's my dream. (laughs) And she's freaking fantastic people. You don't know how good she is at molding a speech into something very eloquent as far as like your social, um, what's that word? Your PR person, your PR person. She's just natural at it. And now she's, you know, gifting the world um, with helping kids to be able to speak. So anyway, I'm glad to have you on my podcast. So let's get started. Okay. Um, Well, of course, uh, naturally, I am your biggest fan. And uh, I, I really do think it's like such a a rock star privilege to get to sink my teeth into the beginning of your book. Um, so let's start off with a, just telling me about the book. All right. So as you know, my you know specialty isn't PR. <laughs> so this book is about the, the future. So it's got that sci-fi element to it. It is 300 years in the future after a nuclear war takes place. And this war 
devastates not only just the United States, but the whole world. So there are few survivors who, who, who actually make it through this nuclear war. And out of those survivors, some people inherit for unknown reasons, supernatural abilities. And the, the, the race itself would not exist without these people who had their supernatural abilities. So you fast forward 300 years and we're introducing the main character, Sabina. Now, Sabina is a girl who has a lot of insecurities and she is really dependent emotionally, mentally dependent on her father, but her father is constantly leaving because he has a job as a scouter where he brings people into their village who have supernatural abilities. And so she is three days away from what is called a birth challenge. And this is a rite of passage. So this is the point when you go from being a child to being an adult. And during this ritual process, you have to A, be 16th, and it's done on your 16th birthday. But this process does a couple of things. It reveals whether or not you have any supernatural powers. It could have been revealed earlier, but it is tested at its full strength. So everyone knows exactly like you are labeled what type of supernatural power you have. There's eight of them, how strong it is, how desirable it is. So all of those things are done. And then in this village, there's a second part to it, which decides how you are going to serve. What is your mission, your purpose for this village? So this is how the book takes place three days before her birth challenge. And she discovers that her father is once again leaving to go find some magical person and bring them back to their village. And she's just devastated. So that's the premises of the book. Mm -hmm. How did I do on that? <laughs> too much, too much information. It's, it's a lot, but like I followed it. I like followed through. Um, and I think that's, a, that lays a good foundation. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> So you can pause and toggle back and forth. Oh, no, this is all recorded live. Hello, everyone. Oh, okay. So I, I love that. I think that that um, <clears throat> lays a nice foundation and gives you kind of the, um, the background information that you, uh, you built the story on. Yeah. Um, so what made you write the story now? You know, for years, years upon years, I mean, let's just be real for decades. <laughs> I have for wanted, a long time. I have You've wanted always to be like one day, one day I, I have, I have had a dream that I have carried in my heart for two decades about writing a book. And I've made a thousand excuses of why that can't happen, why that can't be. And, you know, I went to college to be a businesswoman. Like I wanted to rock the corporate world and I did, and I was great yeah. and I was, you know, promoted and I shining star example of a corporate woman. Right. And then I had children mm -hmm. and <laughs> right. Your whole life changes when that happens. Well, both of my kids ended up being kids that are on the spectrum and were, a little more involved than maybe some of your other kids. Um, like for instance, <laughs> sorry to my kid, if you ever listened to this, like my oldest kid went to uh, preschool 
and was kicked out of preschool because they couldn't handle my child's behavior, right? So I had very intense demands as a mother. And anyway, the whole point is, is when I, I decided to become a stay-at-home mom, I dreamed of writing a book, right? It was like, I knew in college when I graduated and I took that uh, a children's literature class that I wanted to be a writer, but it was nothing that I pursued. I didn't even think about it. I just considered like writing to be more of a hobby and a joy. And I just carried this desire forever and ever and ever. And I started writing a book when my second child was born and I got into at least a hundred pages and I just really, really loved it. But my second child had a lot of needs and we were constantly in and out of the hospital. I put it on the shelf and I forgot about it. So that was the story of my life. Every time I had one of those calm spaces in your life, when, um, kind of things started to fall apart, it was the thing I always turned to when my kid was, you know, born with a rare genetic disorder and I had downtime, I turned to writing a book. Every time I had a, a, a leave between two jobs, starting and stopping one, I wrote a book. When I got laid off during the pandemic, I started writing this book. I was, I just kept going back to it. And I even remember leaving one of my jobs. It was during a time where things were really difficult between my home life and my marriage life. And I remember I was just going to go from full-time down to a part-time job. And I was, I was telling everybody at work and I was so scared and I was so nervous. I was like, I'm finally going to write my book, but I didn't, I took a part-time job. And this was like my pattern, right? Because I didn't believe it was possible. Well, then my world started to fall apart. Like literally I, I was asking for a divorce with my husband my older child was um, suicidal and going in and out of the hospital with suicidal attempts. I had spent thousands of dollars pursuing this career that I realized I didn't even want to do that. It just felt like prison to me. It just felt like work. And I was just spent so many of my years and my life sacrificing, sacrificing who I was and how I showed up in the world because I just knew that I was a mother and I needed to provide for my family. And I just went in and I just did these things. And then I started this counseling program called Transformational Coaching Program with Jim Fortin. And it was my like first week in the class. And they started asking like, what's your vision? What really makes your heart sing? What really lights you up? And there was one question that really got me. If you had $5 million already in your bank and money wasn't a factor, what would you do? And I mm-hmm. knew, I knew like goosebumps all over my body. Like my soul was like, yes, I've been trying to tell you this for years. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this long vision of me writing a book. And I went to my husband at that point, which we were really at this, at this point in our marriage in a very awkward, are we talking, not talking? Are we together, not together stage? And I told him, I was like, I don't think I want to continue to be in the corporate world. I, I think I want to invest in my dream of being a writer. And that was it. That was it. It was when everything in my life was falling apart. Me as a mother, me as a wife, me as a uh, career woman, everything was falling apart. And I decided in my darkest moment that I was going to follow my dream. And that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge leap. 
Um, and uh, I, I think it's commendable that, you know, you set your sights on this book and, and following your dream and you took the leap and, uh, and great things have come from it. Um, I, I find your characters really strong and really relatable. Um, can you tell me, uh, what ways do you think you're like the main character, Sabina? I'm totally going to answer that question, but first you brought something up to my mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to have a rant moment. Okay. Rant moment. All right. So I have recently started following all of these because I, I don't know how to necessarily market myself. I'm winging this. I'm self-publishing. Okay. And right. so, um, so I was like, well, what are, what are some other authors doing? Like, give me some ideas of what some other authors are doing. And these authors on TikTok and okay, this is a misconception. I'll circle back to that. But all of these authors on TikTok that I'm seeing are like, they look like they're 20, 25. Like they look like they're in college, just out of college. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, where are the people like me who have gray in their hair and have had a midlife crisis and have come to terms with the fact that they are an author? Like, where are these juicy individuals? Because I know I'm not the only one. So, and I just want to say, because I didn't know this about TikTok, but I've done some research and TikTok is actually 35 years and older. That's the time, like that's who's actually on TikTok. I thought it was, I I mean, my perception of TikTok was like, oh, these are just young kids that are doing dancing videos. Well, I was wrong. Research shows is actually 35 plus year olds on there. So anyway, um, I just want to say as somebody who is older, and writing her first novel, I am bringing in true life, like hardships. And when you, when you talked about the depth of character, it's because I know it's like, I've had so many hardships that I can bring in and make it feel real because honey, I've experienced it. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I definitely think that, um, your your background your last life story really lends a a hand to the the strength and quality of your character development and I feel like I know some of these people that was really one of the one of my goals in this book so you had asked about like in what ways am I relatable to Sabina something along that lines you're right I think I mean when they say this, they say this day, who are the days, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they say it. I it's been said. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, so it has been said that, you know, when um, an author writes, like it's a reflection of who they are. And I really mm-hmm. do agree with this statement. Sabina was an old me. Sabina mm-hmm. was an old version of me who didn't have her voice at this period in her life. I had my voice at certain points in my life, but so because there were times when I didn't have a voice, I really understood Sabina's character. And so how am I relatable to her? This was relatable to a period of in, in my life when I 
I didn't speak for myself. I didn't advocate for myself. I allowed everybody to have dictation and control over the direction in my life, whether I agreed with it or not. And so that's a lot of where I feel very relatable to Sabina, feeling alone, feeling isolated. When I grew up, well, those younger years, if you can remember, I didn't speak because I was so terrified. I was so terrified. And when you don't speak to somebody and you're terrified to approach them, it's very isolating experience. So I was able to really draw on those past experiences of feeling very alone and isolated. And just like uh, Sabina's father, Brahm, was leaving to go on his excursion to get a messenger, right? Sabina felt very abandoned. And there's a period in my life where I felt really abandoned. So I was really able to draw on those experiences. I'm going to plug in my charger here so that I don't disappear. All right. So I think that um, that's extremely valid because I see. Um, a lot of your strengths surface and in Sabina um, and and her journey that she's on. Now, she's not only one of the, the strongest characters in the book and, and one of my favorites, but there's definitely, um, she's really surrounded by a lot of quality characters. Uh, who would be your favorite character? And this is actually going to be a really interesting discussion because I'm I I think that you, where you stopped in the book you didn't actually get to meet this character so I really really can't wait for you to meet this character we are going to have so much fun talking about her um her name is Fabia did you meet Fabia no oh my god this is so good it's still she, a stranger to me oh I can't wait oh my gosh she is freaking fantastic she's by far my favorite character she is she is um she's a truth sayer in the book and so okay. she has this ability like nobody else has it's not an eight it's not your eight moons. It's not like a supernatural power. It is like, it is like a witchy woo woo power. Right. And what she's able to do is she's able to read people's emotions. So just like in our world, there are people that are um, very intuitive and they can mm-hmm. feel other people's energy. She is like that on steroids, right? Like she, <laughs> because she's so sensitive to emotions, this is why she's a truth sayer because she can feel the emotions. She can read the emotions. And so she really gets who people are. And she's kind of a little, she's, I mean, she's really wild and she's like, um, she's really not a, available to anybody who's going to lie to themselves and she's going to put it in your face. And, um, one of my favorite things about her is she has her pain and pleasure, like kind of switched in her head. So she thinks like the things that people are suffering in is kind of like, what's your problem? This is fun. This is an adventure, you know, like she just (laughs) throws this twist into the whole book where people are like, I hate you, but I love you at the same time. Like she has that type of uh, character. You kind of like bingo away, but wait, what you said was actually really, hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's, it sounds like we could be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely adore her. She's so much fun. And, um, 
Oh, I was just thinking about something else too. It's gone. So we'll, if I, if okay. I remember it, I'll come back to it. Well, I know I, I've only had the pleasure of, of going like halfway through the book. So I know that there's um, big events coming uh, to fruition. And uh, I look forward to seeing all those scenes play out. But um, you've got a lot of great dialogue and a lot of great interactions. What was the best scene? What was the, the best scene to write? Okay, so this actually one you have read. So okay. um, <laughs> it may not make any sense to you why it's my favorite. But so in, in the book, there is a council that kind of governs mm-hmm. um, Sylvie Dome. And so Sylvie Dome has these elected officials. They're all people um, that has like they're elected one per rear Muin. So someone who's got a very highly developed Muin, a supernatural ability. And um, anyway, one person is elected from each of these. And then one person is elected from each of the sectors of the village. And so this makes up their governing council, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. They make a lot of decisions. And so anyway, my one of my favorite scenes is this the the council getting into an argument, right? You you have eight people with muins, and then you got four people from the sectors, and then you have some other people in the scene. So here's the like when you talk about how well do you know your characters, I think this is why I had so much fun because I essentially had like 13 to 15 characters getting in an argument. And so I've got one character by like giving somebody's face and being like, no, no, you this is not how it's going to be. And I got another character being like, isn't it so boring? You know, like there's all this <laughs> drama going on and there's so much of this like back and forth and you're seeing everybody and their human tendencies and how they react to other people. Oh, I just had so much fun. I had so much fun with the bickering and the bantering. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a little, uh, like a little ping pong ball bouncing around the room. Like everybody's kind of got their, their little moment to shine in that scene. Uh, so I can see that that would be a lot of fun. I can see you like visualizing each character kind of turning in their little exchange and um, how that <clears throat> all played out. Okay, so we, we got to back up because you did not tell me who your favorite character is. Oh, man. Um, I really love Nana Honey. I mean, she is phenomenal. Um, and I think she just, she adds so much to the storyline into the book. And I, I just feel like there's such strength in her. Um, and I, I think she's so crucial to the storyline. So I really love Nana Honey. I absolutely love that you said this, because if you had asked me the question of who, who do I most resemble today, it would be Nana Honey. Oh, so it's like you're talking about, <laughs> you just gave me the best compliment. <laughs> so I really, I really do think that a lot of who I am today reflects who Nana Honey character is. So I love that. Nice. I love, I love, that. love her too. <laughs> you love me. Um, so <laughs> what was your favorite scene? Um, man. I, uh, I really, it might've just been because things were getting so intense and so juicy and it was kind of 
mid book where I I paused in this uh, storyline, uh, but I really like um, all the like kind of aha moments and the connecting of the dots in in mid book where uh, you start getting more answers uh, when she goes to visit Nana, honey. Yeah, you're talking about. So I, yeah. I think I think it was such a a revelation and such a moment for all of the characters that were involved in that scene, um, and it just it, it just felt like you were on the cusp of something really big, and I just knew things are, I just know things are taking off very vastly from here, so yeah. I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. the upcoming scenes and seeing exactly um, where all these dots connect mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and Sabina really finding herself and connecting all of those dots and um, taking off for, for great things. Yeah. It's gonna so be- it's really, really, and then, you know, and I think it, it highlights, uh, a lot of Sabina's struggles and it's significant it's so significant um for the characters in that scene there's um a lot of struggles in this book what was the struggle of writing this book for you well so there I think the biggest struggle for me in writing this book is I really wasn't ready to own my voice as a spiritual leader Mm. and so there were certain times where it was what I really truly felt and believed in my heart Um, but the world around me doesn't want to see or doesn't want to know and and so as I was writing some of these very mindful spiritual practices in here I was really scared I was really scared of um writing it. And, and so like, there were times when I was like, you know, having my conversation with spirit and I was like, I, I don't know that I can write this. And then it would just keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. And I'm like, I'm ready. It. I hear you. I'm ready. And then I would write it. And I'd be like, I'm so scared that they're going to tear me in alive when they read this book. And so I actually hired, um, a, a, a coach to help me try and mm do the inner work to get my thoughts off of caring what other people think about this. And so that really was really helpful for me. Um, As far as like other struggles with writing the book, I mean, the writing for me became really natural because I just really channeled spirit and I was, uh, I used a lot of my heart and my own experiences. Right. And so a lot of things came back, came to me. I would say, what was really hard is like the after writing the book, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Finding the right editor, the right editor who understood me and what I was looking for, um, finding the right book cover person, discovering how you do all of this by yourself. Like there was a lot of struggles with the the how-to and um, then there was also these struggles that I I carried for years of all the reasons why I couldn't be a writer. Like I'm not good at grammar. Um, You know, I've never taken a formal writing class. I've always taken creative writing classes because I loved poetry. (laughs) Like, you know, Uh I had all these questions in my head that like, 
uh, that were like little, they were like weights putting on your body. Like these questions were so weighted for me. Questions like, well, yeah. what if the pace of my book isn't good enough? I've never, I've, you know what I mean? Like, do I hire somebody and spend $3,000, you know, so that they can show me like, oh, at 25% of the book time, you know, you have to have this type of um, scene, you know, do you do all this? Do you do all that? And really the struggle was really about trusting me and trusting spirit and knowing that I was writing what I was supposed to be writing, that this message needed to be heard and I did it. Well, and I think it's, um, there's something to be said, uh, you know, there's so many jobs and professions that you see unfold in your daily life, but you don't see an author sitting down writing a book like it's not something you come across so it's very very hard to visualize all those steps of the process the commitments and like the whole process of coming up with the ideas coming up with the characters keeping it fluid and really um what allowing yourself the time and space to write for you um, and hope that other people can be on the same page with you um, because you can't write for everybody else. No, you really So I, I think that you've done yourself a, a true justice. Um, and, and, and it's uh, just not easy because it's not something you see. You see people working in the community and things, but an author is a huge and important role. And it's just not something you really see commonplace. Um, but it, there's so much value to it. What are some uh, authors that you admire? Who do you like? So, gosh, there's so many because you know how much I love to read. But my sister and I, we constantly are like, <laughs> I just finished this book. You got to read it, you know? And so we're always bouncing back and forth um, authors and stuff that we like. And so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, a few years ago, at, uh, again, at a time when my marriage was rocky, right? I made the decision to read a book a week. And so I literally did that. And so I mean, like when you look at my Goodreads, there's hundreds of books. So what I'm going to really go to is what books were memorable for me, because I'm, I would not make the best critic. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not your critic because I don't like look at the book and think about how, how it's failing. I look at the book and I think about what I liked about it. So that's mm -hmm. definitely a different perception. So there's hundreds and hundreds of books that I like. Um, so I really like, well, I know this is a favorite for a lot of people, but like Brandon Sanderson, right? His Mistborn, loved it. I had never um, read a book like this that used uh, coins to fly themselves up into the air and do these little things like that. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Cassandra Clare, and even she's partnered with other people. I really loved her mortal instrument stories. Um, so I, I, I just really enjoyed kind of that. Um, she has a good pool with your characters. And I enjoyed that, that pool and that tension. And I think you see that in my writing, there's a lot of tension building between characters. I really yeah. love what she did there. And of course, you know, these are shadow hunter people. So they're off, you know, creating justice and doing flips in the air and flying. Love all that, right? There's magical people in there. So I absolutely love that. One book I can never seem like whole series. I can never seem to forget. I think I said for you to read this one. I don't know if you did, but Falling Kingdoms with um, Morgan Rhodes. Again, 
this 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 book here is about um a a two kingdoms that are forging you know young kids to come together and marry and the, there's like this whole war and battle going on and these two individuals whew, they do not hit it off they do not hit it <laughs> off and, you know I love stories like that so um and I really loved the tension between the two main characters loved it and of course I love the love twist that was in that book too and then mm-hmm. um and so uh, those are all very fantasy related. So a non-fantasy one, it's still kind of fantasy. I don't know what you call this, but Vox by um, Christina Doucher. Um, so Vox was about like the government coming in and silencing all women. <sighs> My feminist heart really beats on that. <laughs> So anyway, women only got like, they had some type of control over their vocal cords, which is why it's called Vox. Oh, if you haven't read this book, please read it. Okay. So anyway, women only get so many words per day. And so the kids get words, the women don't. And so anyway, they, they control all of these women by doing this stuff. And uh, anyway, so interesting. I love it. So what were some of your favorite books? I mean, I'm, I will have to, uh, I'll have to look that one up. I have, I have not, not read that. Um, so I'm going to have to add that to my list. And of course, for me, I find myself very, very busy. And so I'm always hunting for like a good audio book and something I can just like mm-hmm. kind of put on so I can double dip and be mom and get all the things done while enjoying a good story at the same time. Um, but for me, you know, I'm such a, such a movie, movie buff mm-hmm. and I, I can, I, I love this, this book and I love the birth challenge because I, I really feel like I'm in the story and I could just see it so clearly. And I just feel like this book should be a movie. Oh, I want it to. And I, I just built the dialogue and I can just picture it all, all playing out. So when it does become a movie, cause I think it will, I think it should, um, who, who should we cast? Okay. You know what? I have no idea who Sabina should be or who Flan should be like two of the main characters. I have no idea, but you know who I would absolutely love? Her, uh, so Mary Gold has a, a stepmother named, sorry, Sabina has a stepmother named right. Okay, That's how you really yes, say Mary Gold. I was like, say Mary what? Gold. Yeah, I know. I'm throwing yes. you off. All right. So Mary Gold. Stepmother yes. is Mary Gold. And I would love Lucy Liu to play it. She's so fierce. Oh, yeah. She would be so, She's good. so fierce. Yeah. So, oh, I would absolutely love her. And then, um. You know, Brent, my husband, he really thinks that Brom, Sabina's father, so we've got the mother and the father here. Um, so uh-huh. he really thinks that Brom should be Josh, Josh Brolin. Josh okay. Brolin. I don't know. He's like, he seems like a guy. Okay, just so you know, my husband didn't even get the privilege of reading this book. He got to <laughs> after one. Okay. So after one. all he got, he's asked like probably 500 times. 
And I told him over and over, like, cause even when I was writing this book, I guarded this. And so I was like, no, yeah. nobody is having influence over me. I am writing this without any influence. So nobody got to read this book. So I finally let him read chapter one. So he thinks Brahm is very much like this country Western guy from whatever, everybody has their own perceptions, right? He, this right. Is, this is, I don't get what he's getting, but he's only read chapter one. So he sees um, Josh Brolin because apparently he's played some Western part. So I just wanted to throw that out. And then, um, so, you know, my favorite character is Fabia. So um, I just think that. Girl, yeah. So, and I, and I don't know her yet. So I'm like, Oh, um, I think Emma Stone would be awesome. Oh, I love Emma Stone. I love her. I think she would be really awesome. And then I, there's another character in there that is like, like Sabina. Uh, it's somebody who takes on a motherly role for her, but from a very, very big distance. And her name is B and she serves on the council. And oh, yeah, B, B is so great. I love her. I love B and I think of B and I even put this in the character because B has decided that she's going to be her wacky adopted aunt. Like, even though they're not right. physically or mentally or bloodlines related, she just like feels really bad because Marigold doesn't play that nurturing mother. And so B like sees this, this isolation that Sabina has. And so she tries mm -hmm. to come in and play that mothering part, but she's such a busy She's a busy woman. She's running a freaking hospital and she's on the council. She doesn't have time to be like a mama, you know? Right. So There's only so many hours in the day. Right. <laughs> he plays this really wacky aunt, so to speak. And I would love somebody like uh, Le Leslie Mann. Is that how you say it? Um, oh my gosh. What what movie did she play in? Um, like, okay, I love the movie 17 again. The, the most recent one with uh, Zach Zach Refron or whatever his name is. Gosh, oh, uh-huh. Zach Ron. She's whatever. the mother. She's the mother in this movie. So mm. um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> you know I'm not good with actors and actresses. I know. I can see like different actors in my brain, but I could not tell you their names. Like I know their face, but let's see what movies that she has played in. Um it's coming up the other woman. I don't remember her in this. Oh my gosh. She, she plays like, I, I don't know that she ever plays like the, the, um, this is her. Do you, can you see my screen? Let me see if I can make it bigger. <laughs> For the world out there. I'm trying to help my sister here. And I'm not I can't really, I can't really see her. Okay. Well, she does a really good job of kind of playing some really funny parts where, She's very lighthearted and um, uh, fun. She's just a fun person. So she has that yeah. fun character. I think she would do a really good job. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to set with it. Like, you know, if, if, if this was made into a movie, I would really love for somebody who's kind of an up and rising actor or actress to play like Sabina, mm -hmm. you know, or, or Flan. Um kind of like their uh their breakout role yeah I would love yeah. I would love to I would love to give somebody that you know like that gift yeah so, so fresh yeah. and like ready to take it on and because I, I I think uh her story is so great um and 
and should definitely be told. And I think that it, as an actress, it would just be such a great role to land. Um, and you have just such an opportunity to take it so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so interesting. So do you have anybody in your mind for any of your characters that you ran into? Man, I wish I was better with names. I don't know. It would be, I, I always admire these, um, casting directors and, and things like casting agents that sit down and say like, Oh, okay. Like you read for this part, but we're going to put you in this role and vice versa. I mean, it's who, who provides these characters, their platform on the, the screen is, uh, is, is such a, such an undertaking. And it, I, I wouldn't want to be the person that has to be like, Oh yes for you and no for you. Yeah. But I do, it would be very, very interesting. I would love to be a fly on the wall as people auditioned and, and put their best Sabina Ford to try and like land the role and, and how they would uh, present her to a, a panel of judges trying to decide who, who should get the glory of representing this character. Yeah. Well, so I, there was a, a point when you and I were talking, I can't remember if it was Sabina, but you're like, you were telling me like, oh, I just envisioned this character. Um, maybe it was like Ariel. You're like with long hair that's red. And was it, was it Sabina? And I was like, yes. So in my mind, <laughs> Sabina did not have long dark hair and so I had I I was I was like reading it's along and all great. of a sudden when I when I got to some of the descriptive details and I was like wait that that's not must be no wait what <laughs> I know that's no I heard that story. yeah so um I, I I had to do a little mental adjustment um and I like I still kind of toggle sometimes where I'm like oh yes remember well, actually, I will say this. I intentionally left off a lot of description words for characters because I wanted you to get so immersed into the story and come up with the only Well, and I think that there's a lot of weight to her character as far as like appearance wise, how important it was for her to be so low key mm -hmm. and kind of yeah. easy to overstep and overlook. So, um, it really does kind of, uh, I guess, uh, for a lack of better words, like really make her the dark horse. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, then all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, exactly. It was such a fun book to write and I'm so grateful for it. And I can't wait to share it with the world and, um, I can't wait to finish it. And, uh, and, and I want to see, I want to see that cover page all done. I cannot wait to hold these pages in my hand. So like, what did you feel when you read this book? Because I am an emotional writer and I used emotion a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a strong book. I think that, um, the characters are so easy to, I mean, 
granted nobody's running around with muins here we don't have um mystic powers so to speak but like you really feel like you can connect with these characters um and like her story is so true and genuine like finding your way in this world is not um an easy task and you know she really uh has a lot of cards stacked against her yeah so um i really think that the 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 backdrop the the whole uh, little hurricane room like there's just so many layers there's so many layers to this dish that it's just absolutely delightful um and it i think the dialogue like you it's just i'm kind of a play-by-play person so i really found the the banter and the dialogue so natural and just i was really terrified actually um, because I read a lot, I read a lot. And so I was going into comparison mode and I'm like, I have way more dialogue for conversation than any book I've ever read. I was terrified that and, and I was so, I was so attached to it too. I know these things as a coach now that being attached is never a good thing, but I, I'm like, I was attached in the sense that I loved all of the dialogue. The dialogue was, um, I found so much joy in it. And so I, when I gave this to my second editor, I, my editor came back and she was like, wow, you have a strength for dialogue. And she was like, I have to help a lot of writers write dialogue. And she was like, she's like, you've got it down. And I was like, I thought I had too much. And she was like, no, you have the perfect balance. And I was like, oh, no way. Go me. Yeah. Go me. I had no idea. <laughs> well and I think that really uh, the amount of dialogue isn't it's not overkill it's not too much and it really allows you as the reader to really um digest someone's personality you know it's more than just the play-by-play of like oh you know you walk she walked across the room and picked up whatever it's it's all of those details but like the the verbal banter between the characters and the dialogue that's where their personalities really shine um and so i i think it's i think it's great well thank you that's a really great reflection so yeah i'm learning from you um so i guess with your um experience did you find the the pace of the book good? Did you find each like one of my goals in writing this book is that you didn't have these like drop scenes where you're like, okay, I'm just reading this, but it doesn't mean anything to me. So right. like that was one of my goals in writing is I really wanted to keep you emerged the entire time. I I I think the flow is great. Um, you know, it's I don't feel like there's a lot of like unnecessary details or background or anything going on in chapters where it's just kind of dead weight. Like, I think that every chapter really has its purpose um, and really lends to the, 
the delivery of of the storyline oh people I just want to tell you you can so tell if you didn't know my sister was in education that like summary right there (laughs) she's like talking like she's in her her IEP meetings or whatever it was brilliant (laughs) I love it um so anyway yeah I I'm I really love the story. I really love all of the, I love all of the characters, even the ones that you want to hate. Sure. And, and you have to have that. You have to have the bitter with the sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, this book should be coming out. My goal was for it to come out at the end of February. There's some things that we are waiting on to kind of come to fruition. So maybe mm-hmm. it'll be March, but I just want to kind of state that because I know that's going to be the next question people are asking. Like, right. Well, oh, what, when do I get to read? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what I am doing for people is if you sign up for my wait list, you can get access to chapter one. So you can start kind of diving in and getting a feel for the story, connecting to you certain characters, um, seeing if you even like it and you want more of it. And then naturally this is going to be sold on Amazon because everything is sold on Amazon. So, um, but I really am grateful for everybody who has stayed to the end of this and listened to it. I'm really grateful for everybody who loves to read, loves like sci-fi, you know, fantasy who loves supernatural powers you guys are my people i love you <laughs> mindfulness it's going to be really great juicy material for you it, like what would you say to somebody who doesn't like mindfulness do you feel like this was a turnoff for them uh no i think it's juicy i think that there's so many different facets to the story whether you can be like Oh, I'm coming from, I see this as an individual going through the rites of passage and, and uh, coming into woman, womanhood and finding her strengths. And um, it's an inspiring story of like self-discovery. Um, so there's, there's that aspect. There is the kind of supernatural um, sci-fi which is so fun and you can take it so many places. And um, I think that there's enough layers to this onion that it's not just a sci-fi book or just a coming of age book or, um, you know. You too. So where you are with what you read, did you sense any romance going on? Well, yeah, but I think, um, I think it's so early in the novel for me to like really pinpoint, like if it's something I just want for the characters myself. (laughs) So like, I'm like, well, yeah, get it. Like get, let's go. Um, But I think part of um, Sabina is that she has this essence that makes individuals drawn to her. Um, and that they just can't help but kind of be attracted to her. And I think that there's definitely some sparks uh, that I've seen. So I was like, ooh, but how, how could she decide? Because how does she decide? 
I forgot to tell the audience this. So this this book, and this is this is given to you right away in chapter one. But Brom, before he leaves to go on his excursion, he tells Sabina that he has like eight suitors lined up for her to like meet. And so she's like, I've never even had a date. What do you mean I have eight suitors? Like, oh my God, what are you doing to me, dad? Like totally. So anyway. These characters are sprinkled through the right. book. So Michaela Mi hasn't gotten to meet all of the characters yet. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to meet one of them. Yeah, oh. and so like, and I, I just, I don't know a lot of the suitors yet. So I don't know like who she's going to interview next. Has she already met this character? Like, but I think that they're also drastically different. So all of their qualities, like they all have strengths, right? They all have strengths and they all have weaknesses and, um, you know, things about them that may or may not be less desirable, but then they all have like a certain level of desirability and um, connectability as, as a good quality partner for her. But how will, how will she, A, recognize that, she is a desirable individual and be like you know like which hand does she play yeah oh yeah and you know and she's going through so many transitions and like I'm going to just speak to people who have ever experienced this but like if you have gone through a major transition in your life, like, like Brent and I are, are high school sweethearts right so you change a lot from being 16 <laughs> to graduating from college. You're not a 16 year old. You don't think like a 16 year old. You want different things, right? So if you've ever been through a major transition, sometimes you can turn around and look at your partner and be like, we are not suited for each other. Like 10 years ago, we were great. You know, I'm a different person now. You're a different person. Like, so she's going through all of these transitions and who, who's going to match each of these transitions she's going to go through. And is there right. one that matches all of them? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I love it. I love it. You can see how excited I get. Yeah. So it'll be very, very interesting to see those sparks fly. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait for it too. I'm so excited. So is there anything that we need to include before we wrap up? Uh, um, gosh, I just, I, I really because I haven't read the whole thing. I don't know, um, you know, where we close and how, how you stop this train uh, cruising through the night. But um, I think that there is such a dynamic between like um, her, Sabina and Marigold. Um, and I just, I'm so leery about Brahm and, and his whole situation that your readers are, are not going to want to put this book down. That's all I can say. I would love that for them, for them to feel that way. So, right. And I love it when I read a book like that. Yeah. I just know when I, when I close this book, I, I'm going to be wanting more. Oh, you'll get Ha <laughs> 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 <All right. laughs>
Well, I thank you so much for participating in this and being willing to come, you know, and share your, your take on it and your experience with it. And, um, I trust my sister to tell me, I mean, she's the person that I will take a picture of in the, you know, changing room or whatever, if I'm at a department store and be like, does this look all right? You know, like she will tell me if it sucks. I, I will give you my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so I really so. appreciate um, you coming here and here in the space of the internet world, <laughs> but and being willing to share your experience with it and ask me these questions and being willing to read my book and um, support me. I really love you. You know how much I love you. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I mean, it, you've take, you had to take some bold moves to get here. Yeah. You know, this didn't happen overnight and it was a lot of dedication and work and I it's great things I, I you're gonna skyrocket oh. and I, your audience is so lucky oh don't you just love your sisters they always say the best things <laughs> <laughs> no you, I'm so proud of you it's it's phenomenal thank you I'm, I really am proud of myself too. And I would say that too, as a coaching moment, right? Like, I don't know about anybody else, but in the world that I grew up, um, having pride was a major sin and you weren't allowed to do it and you were bad and wrong and whatever. Now I have transcended just like subpoena has, I have transcended from this type of thinking. And so I can say to you that I am so proud of myself and not make that mean that I'm a bad, wrong person and that, you know, I'm prideful, whatever. I'm proud of myself, you know, like to me, I'm leaving something behind that is going to help entertain, inspire and heal people. And mm -hmm. that is my gift that I get to share with the world. And I'm proud that I was willing to take the risk to do it and believe myself and to put it out there. Cause you yeah. know, I really think that writers in general, this is just like, I don't know that I would call this a definition, but, um, you know, writers have to be willing to share a part of themselves. It's actually a very vulnerable process. And yeah, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that that's just what it is. An author is somebody who's willing to share their hardships, their lessons, their vision with the world. And I'm really proud to be able to say that I'm an author. You are. You are an author. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you, sis. So Thanks. for everybody listening, you matter, and I will see you next week. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you for staying with me to the end of the podcast. My intention is for you to receive valuable content that leads you to create the life you desire. I certainly love sharing my gifts with you. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with your friends and loved ones if you found value in it? Also, it would be so helpful if you could leave a five-star review on Apple. I would greatly appreciate it. If you would like to be interviewed on this podcast, if you have a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you would like to work one-on-one -on -one with me, then DM me on my socials. Everything you need to find me is in the show notes. Make it a great day.